Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like if you're addicted to the hokey pokey, can you turn yourself around? Hi, America. <laughs> Hello, well. It's very interesting. You call it the hokey pokey. pokey. In Britain, it's the hokey cokey. Oh. So I don't know. You say potato, I say potato. That's not quite how it works, but it makes me wonder where that started and where that came from. We'll have to look that up. Hi, America. Hello, world. My name is Adrian Lee and I am your host. Welcome to the show More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests. Somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly... From the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your lights and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting, for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming, and I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. What could possibly go wrong? So let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and effervescent Heather Morris. She's been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather learned to play the Dancing Queen on a didgeridoo this week, which was Aboriginal. <laughs> Ab Abba. Aboriginal? I got it. I listened and it wasn't a case of didgeridoo, it was more a case of didgeridon't. <laughs> we also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Greg told Kim this week to stop impersonating a flamingo, so she had to put her foot down. 
It's a joy, isn't it? Hello. <laughs> and finally on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim and we shall see if this is still the case after her flamingo impressions. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras than leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also our producer and sound mixer. Greg lost to his computer at chess this week, but then discovered it was no match for his kickboxing. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Greg. Hello. We are on episode two. Sorry, series two. The episode two. Episode wow. two. Yeah, the last three years just flew by, didn't they? Wow. Episode 47. This means we have now done 80 episodes all in. It's quite remarkable, isn't That's it? Crazy. Episode 47. 47, if you dialed the international dialing code 47, you would reach which country? Pick a country, any country. Africa. That's not a country, it's a continent. What's wrong with you? Zimbabwe, then. That is a country, I will give you that. Bolivia. Bolivia, not even Norway. We're working our way through the Scandinavian. Do you remember it was Sweden last week? Scandinavian countries is where we are. Norwegian officials were stunned when they found a live alligator on a train bound for Oslo this week. They were even more surprised to find out it had the correct change for the ticket. <laughs> you have to know a Norwegian to realise how funny that truly is. The topic of cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn are located 47 degrees apart. 47 is also the atomic number of silver. Silver walks up to gold in a bar and says, A.U., Get out of here. Everyone bunked their chemistry <laughs> lessons, didn't they? Not a single person on this table went to their chemistry lessons. What? What? H-A-N-Y-U, yes. A-U, gold. This is oh, it's A-U, It's yes. A-U. I'm wasting my time, I tell you. Okay, January. This Monday, of course, sees the beginning of February. Let's have some interesting facts about February, shall we? The Romans and the Celts considered February as the start of spring. That would be a Yay. joy. I know, that would be great, wouldn't it? I'm willing to embrace Roman culture. It comes from the word februa, which means cleansing or purification. So that's where Febreze gets its name from. Did you know that? No. This reflects the rituals undertaken before spring. So if you're doing a spring cleaning, you've basically left it too late. The rituals of cleansing and cleaning are to then you know, help praise the gods when spring comes along, so you can then have all your plants and all your light and all your green shoots coming through. The Anglo-Saxons called February Sol Monath, which means cake month. Every month is cake month for you, isn't it? What are you looking at me for? <laughs> <laughs> it's called cake month because they made cakes to appease the gods again. It's all about pleasing the gods because, you know, they want to get rid of winter in the short days and they want the bringer of light to come along. Well, I don't want to disappoint, so I'll have to make some cakes. There you go. Because cakes are offered to the gods during this month. This I'll do is, it. This is where we are. You're going to take that on board, are you? Yep. Everyone should thank you around the world. <laughs> the word February is only about 100 years old. Did you know that? No. Our great-grandfathers, our great-grandparents, our great-grandmothers called it Februa. Did you know that? So February has only been around about 100 years. Our great-grandparents would have known such a name. It was Februia. Februa, Februia. Let's call the whole thing off. This coming Tuesday, the 2nd of February, is the ancient festival of Candlemas and marks the midpoint of winter, halfway between the shortest day and the spring equinox. Hmm. 
We missed a very important date last week. It pains me to say this, you know. Uh, I know it, it means to a certain degree, you know, that we're unprofessional and we haven't done the proper research, have we? Last what's week. What's this we? What's this we? <laughs> you don't do any research. You just turn up and wing it, don't you? Last week, unbeknownst to me, the 21st was National Squirrel Appreciation Day. Oh, I did know that. Kim Yay. did know that. You kept that very quiet, didn't you? I can't believe there wasn't a story in there somewhere. But National Squirrel Appreciation Day. Now, I like to receive the mailbag. I like to read all of your comments and all of your suggestions and ideas on Facebook and Twitter and various other platforms. So I'm going to read a few out for you tonight. Ricky is from Texas, but he's currently kayaking through France, apparently. And I don't blame him because I've driven in France. He has written on Facebook. (laughs) I tell you what happens in France. When I was in Paris, when you park your car, you leave your handbrake off. Because what they do to find a parking space, they just nudge you further along down the road to squeeze in their vehicle. So you could come back a couple of hours later and find your car two blocks away, but still parked. I found this remarkable. (laughs) Never seen anything like it. He's written from France. I'm so glad you guys are on SoundCloud. I'm traveling the world in a kayak and I've missed your show immensely. When he's traveling the world on a kayak, he's he's not actually paddling. He's got it on his head and he's walking around. This is where we are, especially in places like Africa. Countries like Africa. (laughs) (laughs) He said, I've missed your show immensely. He said, now I can download and listen while I'm en route in my country of France at the moment. I wonder if the French have a word for en route. Tim in Minnesota has written enjoying some dark matter radio that was live during our show last week so thank you to Tim in Minnesota Tanya in Victoria Australia has written great show we listened in Oz live last week tucked up in our bed this morning obviously she's written that in the morning yeah (laughs) Griff on SoundCloud has written need more shows just tap them into the blood so MQTA delivered intravenously. That would be very itchy because Greg's got a very bushy beard. <laughs> Jacqueline has also written on Facebook. She, if you recall, was the lady that actually won last week's show. And she's asking where her first prize is. <laughs> uh, it's in the mail. It's in the mail. <laughs> Who knew? Last week, we have so many countries listening to the show. It's remarkable. I mean, it's, it's in the hundreds. And uh, they're all listed in the order in which the number of people listen. So the biggest number of hits, as you'd probably expect for more questions than answers last week, was the United States. But I will give you a list here of the top 10 of where we're being listened to around the world just in this week. But the biggest hits, of course, were the United States. Canada was second. Sweden in third place. A thank you to all of our listeners in Sweden, the UK, we need to get our finger out. We're now in fourth place. <laughs> Everyone in Britain's this sick is of like hearing the me. Gold medal race. <laughs> oh, well, and we've come fourth. It was a very plucky Brit that came in fourth, but he shattered his personal best, and you can't ask for more than that. Well done. Spain, patronising. Do you know what patronising means? Spain is in fifth place. Australia is sixth. France, seventh. Holland, 
Ireland, and finally creeping into the top ten is the Philippines of all places. The Philippines. There were another hundred countries, and I'm not going to read them all out, but that was just last week. Just last week,、mm-hmm. the top ten in terms of numbers. And remember, you can access us throughout the course of the show or during the course of the week. We're on Facebook. If you go to more questions and answers with Adrian Lee, you will find all of our stories and all of our videos and photographs of the stories of the strange, the bizarre, and the paranormal. On there for you to look at. We're also on SoundCloud. We have archives at the moment which go back three years. If you wish to listen to us, if you go to SoundCloud.com and search for MQTA Radio, you will find all of our shows on there. We have a Twitter account which is Adrian underscore Lee underscore Tips, and we have seventy-four thousand followers on there. If you wish to see some of our outtakes and listen to those, they're on YouTube. They're very funny. Again. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee, and you can also find us on TuneIn Radio, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you can't find us, you've only got yourself to blame.、Mm-hmm. And of course, my latest book, How to Be a Christian Psychic: What the Bible Says About Mediums, Healers, and Paranormal Investigators, is now available on Amazon and is published by Wisdom. Additions. We run into the first round. That is, ghosts and hauntings. I have a fabulous story here. It says controversial illusionist Darren Brown has designed the world's first mind-bending ghost train ride and warned it's not for the faint-hearted. The journey of terror, which opens this spring at Thorpe Park, Surrey, has taken three years and one thousand specialists to perfect. And to keep thrill seekers on the edge of their seats, the White Knuckle Ride has twelve possible scenarios with two different endings. That's a joy, isn't it? What a fabulous idea! You've got a ghost train using all the modern technology, live actors. I'll talk about this in a little bit more detail in a second. But when you get on this, there's twelve different scenarios that you can find yourself in on the ghost train, and two different endings. How do we buy tickets? Well, you'd need to get into Britain to do that to start with, Thorpe Park. I just find that remarkable. It's a joy, isn't it? Because it's going to、yes. keep you going back, isn't it? You're going to finish the trip, and what's the first thing you're going to do? I'll、you're、do gonna, it again. You're going to join the end of the line, aren't you, and go again? Yeah. I thought this was a remarkable idea. The chilling ghost train includes a spectacular illusion using seven-ton Victorian train carriages, as well as state-of-the-art special effects and live action. Describing it as a mind-blowing attraction, Master Faker Darren urged theme park goers to be in the right frame of mind before boarding for fifteen minutes of fear. That sounds like Delta Airlines to me. Created in a purpose-built <laughs> warehouse, passengers with nerves of steel will board the eerie ghost train by crossing a sinister iron bridge. There's nothing more sinister, is there, than an iron bridge? How many times in your life has a little kid gone, "Daddy, Daddy," or "Mummy, Mummy"? There's a sinister bridge in my room. That'll be <laughs> never right. The detail of what happens during the multi-million-pound ride are cloaked in secrecy, but those who get in are in for the fright of their lives. Theatrical entertainer Darren Forty Four said, "Visitors can look forward to experiencing a heady and heart-stopping combination of next-generation technology, grand illusions." Special effects and live action that will completely rewrite the rules of what a theme park attraction can deliver. People should also note that this is not an experience for the faint-hearted. First person to die and then sue them. You see where we're going with this? I wonder if you have to sign a waiver or something. Hold on, you can't die and then sue them. That's not possible. No, that is true. I'm guessing their estate. 
might then sue them. <laughs> it's great being on the ghost train, and one of the first things you see is a man holding some paperwork saying, I'm going to sue you. That's a joy, isn't it? <laughs> it's just a joy. It says, I ask that when you board the train, the secrets remain mine and yours to share and fear, and you don't spoil the experience by telling others ahead of time of their visit, he said. The first thing that's going to happen is someone's going to get off the train and tell everyone who's lined up who did it. There's old man Withers from the amusement arcade. Was that your best? Yes, that's the best Welsh accent you're getting. <laughs> Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? I've got Zach Bagans. Aren't you impressed? <laughs> I yes. thought you'd be impressed. I'm, I've got tears rolling down my legs. <laughs> Zach Bagans gives Demon House update. You remember when he bought that? Yeah, I recall, yeah. Okay. He says the Demon House was demolished because it was just too dangerous. Oh, of course it was. Mm -hmm. There's still one question, folks. If the home was so dangerous, why was it that Zach himself was able to spend considerable time there and others? Was it coincidental to his recent filming? Apparently, oh. he spent like a year or something there. So he's knocked it down probably because he's going to have to pay rates on it and he doesn't have to pay rates on it anymore. Now he's filmed it and got what he wants. Uh, and well, no one's going to visit it and break in, are they? Because it's not there anymore. And you can't disprove anything because it's gone. Because it's not there anymore. <laughs> on the other account, we had learned that the home had been cleared, but then we saw the following information that pertained to it being extremely dangerous. So is it haunted or not haunted? That's what they're asking. That's the question. Yes, we've been keeping a very close eye on production of Zach Bagan's new film, The Demon House. So he actually made a film about this house, which tells the tale of his in-depth investigation of the Ammons house. And right now we have the latest for you. This is Bagan's. He says, we are in the last month of post-production. The Demon House Project has given me more knowledge about the dark forces that exist out there than anything I've ever investigated before. The key is if he read a few books, that would do the same thing. <laughs> Hans Holzer, something like that, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. that would give him the same process, same things. Book reading, we call that in this country. With Ghost Adventures, we commonly take four days to do an investigation. That long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that includes all the in-depth historical research yes. they do at the historical society yes. yeah of course it does with this i've been able to take two years so actually i'm i correct myself he actually took two years to investigate this house seeing how many people have been affected by the house people from all walks of life it's really enabled me to study how these demons work it's a lot different than most people perceive. The aspect of intelligence that these demons exhibit, they work in ways that we cannot comprehend. Well, we're not meant to. That's the point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're fallen angels. There are limits pertaining to how much you can study something that is more advanced than we are. It has been so hard for me to get to the point of ending this film. He wanted to keep going, so I'm going to kind of paraphrase here. Uh, it's been a big challenge for me to come to terms with the fact that the final month of production of the, on this project is here. The hardest thing for me to say is, okay, we have to stop filming now. So he hated the fact that he had to quit filming But this. he ran out of money and time. No, no. There was a deadline. No, he just, he didn't want to get too entrenched in it because apparently people had said that he had been there so many times, he actually changed. His attitude had changed when he was at the house. And I think we've had stories about people living maybe 
in different haunted locations that we've even investigated and we've seen differences in the people living there. A lot of people who have been here have told me that they felt the same way. Still, the final month of production is here and we hope to be done with a film in December, which apparently he has done. And he's hoping to release his movie about the Demon House in 2016. Fabulous. Hmm. There we go. I have a story here that says Philip Schofield baffled by a woman who claims she can predict the future with asparagus. What? Philip, <laughs> we haven't heard asparagus. that one yet. <laughs> Philip Schofield couldn't hide his disbelief when a woman claimed to be able to predict the future using asparagus. The host was left baffled as the world's first asparamancer, Jemima Packington, told this morning presenters... Jemima? Packington. Is that Aunt Jemima? I don't believe she's an auntie, but I'm happy to do some research on Ancestry.com if that makes you happy. Told this morning presenters that according to her stalks, they would be taking home a national television award at tonight's event. Greg, have you looked at your stalk recently to tell the future? No. By tossing... The asparagus up in the air and allowing them to land on the table. Jemima claims she could make predictions about the future. This is almost like Chinese fortune-telling sticks, isn't it? Yeah, I got some of those. Or a game of kaplunk. Holly and Phil couldn't hide their giggles as Jemima said of her unique talents. From the patterns they reveal, I can make predictions. To be clear, it cannot be done with celery, only asparagus. What? It's something about the vegetable that picks up all the good vibrations. I'm picking up good vibes. Yeah, that's just in the grocery store. <laughs> I'm going to take you up the grocery aisle so you get good vibrations is where we are. <laughs> Phil jokes, what happens when they're out of season? And she says, I'm out of a job. <laughs> Basically, before she cheerily added that the asparagus season has been extended, so she'll be able to spend more time <laughs> on her skills. Now, is there a difference between green asparagus and white asparagus? Because there's white asparagus. I know I've seen it on Chef Ramsay. I'm not an expert, but I think one has had the soil pushed up around it because the green is caused by photosynthesis, by the sunlight bleaching it, I think. And if it's green, the same with leeks, if you put the soil up around it, it's going to remain white. And then if the sun gets to it, it goes green, I think. I'm not an expert on asparagus, but this is where I my belief... I meant in fortune-telling, not in actual growing, <laughs> but... <laughs> okay. You've meet, you're going to meet a tall, dark stranger and come into some money. After being put to the test, Jemima's asparagus told her that Mad Max or Martian would win the best picture at the Oscars, so we need to look out for that. Or comedy. Or comedy. <laughs> because she was, there was the shape of an M, apparently. The asparagus spelled an M. <laughs> For Holly and Phil's chances of winning a gong at the National Television Awards, the asparagus landed, all pointing forwards, which, according to Jemima, meant there was a clear path from this morning to the award. Holly was ecstatic at the news and came to be a true believer in Jemima's talents. Phil remained on the bench as he mocked the stalks and thanked her for her unique insight. She also said she could tell the future by pushing a lettuce up Phil Schofield's bottom. She then had a look and said she could only see the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> oh, oh, God. I love this show. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of bottoms, asparagus and lettuce? Um, Fairlaw, New Jersey. Residents are baffled by loud noises in the night. Is this the same place as New Jersey? Yes. Okay, I'm just checking it's the same place. <laughs> you, every time you say the word, you have to say it in that accent. So if it comes up again, 
it needs to be said in that accent. Okay. Okay, go for it. Friday night was far from the first nervous one for residents of Fairlawn, New Jersey. Perfect. Who have been plagued by loud, booming sounds for about a week. Oh, that happens here too. Not in my de- <laughs> <laughs> not in my not in my house, madam. How dare you? I've had I've had some moments. They they've mostly been on my own. <laughs> some are recorded. <laughs> Only because you were holding the camera. <laughs> you know you're ugly when you do a family photograph to see who's the best looking, and you get given the camera. Just saying. <laughs> Daniel McManus says, we were like looking at each other like, what was that? It happened twice in the twice in the past week to McManus and her family. While inside their home in a usually very quiet Fairlawn neighborhood, things went bump in the night. If we didn't know any better, it almost sounds like a cannon, McManus said. It was so deep and just like echoey. Wow. Along the Passaic River, residents say they have heard loud booms as early as 6 p.m. and as late as 2 a.m., it was psh, 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 one young boy said. How's that spelled? Show me your paperwork. I want to see how that's spelled. Right there. Where are we? At the bottom. Middle. Middle. Oh, yes. It, it literally psh, is. Psh, it's psh, psh, it's P-S-S-H. I, there you go. <laughs> if you want to play hangman, there is a word that has no vowels yes. in it. Uh, another one said, I was like, grr, grr, burr, <laughs> like that. <laughs> and how's that spelled? <laughs> G-R-R, uh, uh-huh. G-R-R, That's what they gave Jesus. They gave Jesus that. There was Burst? Yeah, there was gold, frankincense, and burr. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fred, I want to write a dyslexic Bible. That'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> Mary had an immaculate contraption. <laughs> I'm going to write a dyslexic Bible. This what is where you, we are. What are you on? <laughs> this is More Questions Than Answers with Adrian Lee. Can you share? <laughs> um, I heard the noise, so I came out here, added Susan Kukai of Fairlawn. Sometimes, you know, is people that Fairlawn, dump garbage. It, where's Fairlawn? New Jersey. Excellent. You're getting points. <laughs> people dump garbage. It sounded like a garbage truck. Fairlawn police searched for the source of the noises up and down the Passaic, including along the Paterson side. Initially, they thought the noise was coming from this PG&E plant across the river from the neighborhoods where the noise complaints came in. Because they own a cannon. (laughs) Fairlawn Mayor John Cosgrove confirmed PG&E had nothing to do with it and said the noises are a mystery. I've had everything from people telling me about fireworks to aliens, Cosgrove said. So Cosgrove has extra officers deployed, more eyes and ears for when whatever it is disturbs the peace again. The atmosphere and the weather conditions can make very strange and bizarre noises. Do you remember there was those cases up in Canada where there was some really strange humming noises and mechanical noises and they worked out it was from like a thousand miles away and it was bouncing off of the atmosphere. So Mm -hmm. those things are possible. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? I got a human skull. A human skull. Hopefully I can get ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I warned you about trying to be funny. I know. Human skull found in California shop, but there's nothing sinister, police say. Yeah, because it's normal to find a skull. That's That's right. Not just one, though. Oh. Authorities have found one human skull and eight containers with potentially more in a skulls, lost, more skulls. skulls. Eight containers, you eight said? Eight containers more. Wow. Yes. 
uh, at a Los Angeles area shop that sells spiritual items. So the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Captain Steve Katz says deputies responded to the Compton business on Friday after a woman complained of animal cruelty. But this it was a human skull, mind you. When investigators arrived, Kat says they found a skull inside a pot. He yeah, says, there's the key word, isn't it? Pot. <laughs> no, it was inside one. Uh-huh, yeah. Mm. He says the coroner's office collected the skull and the eight other pots that may also contain skulls. The sheriff's department said in a statement that they wanted to learn whether the bones were legally possessed skeletal specimens. I yes. say that again. Licensed. Specimens. <laughs> there is nothing sinister here, Katz told the Los Angeles Times. The skull and possible eight other skulls in vessels were being used in Santeria. The question is where the skeletal remains acquired appropriately. Okay. Did they buy them off the internet or did they dig eBay. them out of the cemetery? I think it was eBay. Find a I grave. was just going to say, how can you acquire a human skull appropriately? I don't know. I you can no you can get them through medical um, directories. When okay. I was a school teacher, every department has a big catalogue. So when I was running an art department, you had a massive catalogue and you could buy everything out of this catalogue, paints, brushes, paper, the whole works. And, of course, if you work in the biology or chemistry or physics department, they had catalogues as well and they were very, very expensive. But you can buy human parts and specimens for biology lessons and lecturing and so forth. So you can get them. They're just very expensive. Cat says there's no evidence of a homicide and that it appears the skull may have been purchased from a legal source and was being used for a religious ceremony. He says it's unclear whether the animal remains were actually found, but they're still looking into that. The sign outside the store reads Omni Relican and describes itself as a Spanish spiritual store and school. And takeaway. Uh, yeah, well, it goes into Santeria and the definitions thereof, which usually contains rituals of animal sacrifices, usually of chickens or goats. And that's one reason they're still looking into the animal cruelty. But yeah, that's to be a virgin goat. It can't be any goat. It's going to be a virgin How goat. How do you know these things? I've read books. I've seen pictures. Of goats? Absolutely. <laughs> Gora Weekly is never far from my... <laughs> and Angora's a rabbit, isn't it? <laughs> God. How's it going tonight? I'm just getting confused. My mammals are all over the place at the moment. I can only apologise. My favourite painting by Van Gogh. You call him Van Gogh over here. Van Gogh in in Europe, or Van Gogh if you're if you're Dutch, I guess. But he did a fabulous painting of a skull, and he put a cigarette in its mouth. So Van Gogh is most famous, of course, for his sunflowers and his self-portrait right. with his hair missing. I actually, if you look this up online, he's done the most amazing painting of a skull with a cigarette in its mouth. It just, have to look that up. It just shows he had a sense of humour, right? It makes me happy. It's a fabulous painting. It makes me very happy. <laughs> I have one last story for the round of Ghosts and Hauntings. It says a psychic contacted police after having a vision about an unsolved murder. But his information was so accurate, his DNA was then tested because he's now a potential suspect. I've heard of that happening a lot. I know. Tristan Reese, 50, claims he's been regularly visited by the spirit of a murdered mother of two, Linda Bryan, since she was stabbed to death in 1998. He finally plucked up the courage to go to the police with the information. He says she showed him, including detailed descriptions of her attacker and his escape vehicle. 
but he was horrified when two officers turned up at the door to take his DNA sample and fears he is now a potential suspect because of the accuracy of his information. Nearly seven months on, detectives were yet to eliminate him from the investigation and Tristan is terrified he will be arrested on suspicion of the violent killing. Drag queen Quiston from Penzance Cornwall said, I don't want to go to the police because it might look like I'm involved. But I got fed up with Linda showing me the murder, so I took the information to the police. Hold what? on a tick. Yes. Did you say drag queen? Yes, he's a drag queen. I thought I saw a picture of him, and I said, God, that's an ugly psychic. Okay. Yes, he's not pleasant it's to look okay. at. Just saying. Some drag queens look very good. Yes, they do. And this isn't one of them. Not one. Okay. I almost want to go and look this up. Now, I didn't see his photograph. You didn't? To be fair, though, I have seen some very ugly psychics, so it doesn't surprise me <laughs> at all. <laughs> to be fair, you know, you become psychic because you're in your bedroom and you're very insular and you don't have many friends and you don't get asked out very often. That's how it happens. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and you're all looking at me, aren't you? He says, what Linda was showing me was quite graphic and prolonged. I was quite shocked when I saw these two cops outside in suits and they took a DNA sample. I wonder how they did that. <laughs> they didn't say why. It must be because the information was so accurate it gave them cause to think I was the murderer. It was six months ago and they have just left me hanging. Linda, 41, was attacked whilst walking her lurcher dog, Jay, near their home in the quiet hamlet in Cornwall on October the 20th, 1998. She'd been stabbed in the neck, chest and back and the killer has never been found, despite police interviewing every local man between the ages of 14 and 70. That makes me think they've got no clue, did it? If every single man in the village has been tested... And they're between the ages of 14 and 70. That's terrible. And again, if every person said, okay, I will do a DNA test, that then suggests that no one in the town did it. Because well, someone would didn't disappear mysteriously, wouldn't they? Or go on their holidays or not be around again. Do you see what I'm saying? And why do they think it's just a male? I have no idea. I suspect the DNA got retrieved because there was some DNA left behind. Do you hear what I'm saying? Oh, gotcha. But Tristan, who claims to have been clairvoyant since he was a child, said just six months after the murder, he was visited by the spirit of Mrs. Bryant. He said the visions just came to me at any time. It was almost like looking at a film, but I'm right there next to her and the killer. Tristan claims the killer has graying ginger hair, a wrinkled face, and is quite slim and wearing a blue boiler suit and boots and drives a large white van he had it his boiler suit and boots were covered with blood i actually bought a drag queen sized bed once and the sheets actually tucked themselves in oh god (laughs) (laughs) that's the end of the round of ghosts and hauntings we now move to ufos and cryptozoology it's green men it's hairy beasties i have a story that says there's one very sad reason why humans have never discovered aliens scientists claim humanity has not been able to discover aliens because extraterrestrial life may die out before it comes sophisticated enough to communicate with us that's the rather grim claim from australian scientists who believe that it is next to impossible for life to develop to the stage where it is clever enough to contact humans that's very conceited isn't it to consider that we're the cleverest species out there. Another planet could evolve to be so clever that they could then communicate with us. Do you see what I mean? On the back of the fact that we've invented digital watches and microwave dinners. 
I find that remarkable. The universe is probably filled with habitable planets. So many scientists think it should be teeming with aliens, said Aditya Chopra, an astrobiologist from the Australian National University. Early life is fragile, so we believe it rarely evolves quickly enough to survive. Yet Justin Bieber is still around. <laughs> Chopra and his colleagues drop a theory called the Guyan bottleneck which suggests that planets which were once habitable to life often form barren wastelands due to natural disasters. This could explain why Mars does not appear to be teeming with alien life, even though it once had conditions similar to Earth's. Most early planetary environments were unstable, Chopra said. To produce a habitable planet, life forms need to regulate greenhouse gases such as water and carbon dioxide to keep the surface temperatures stable. Perhaps UFOs should stand for unleaded fuel only. If alien planets are suffering from greenhouse gases. Heather, what have you got for me in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? I have a deep crevice. Has been, I'm sorry to hear that. Yes, I know. It's been revealed at the bottom of Loch Ness. Really? Yes. Sonar equipment aboard a cruise boat has determined that Scotland's famous lake is actually a lot deeper Anyone who has ever gazed out over the waters of the enigmatic Scottish Loch will have likely wondered whether its famous denizen, the Loch Ness Monster, lurks in the darkness below. While no conclusive evidence of the creature has yet been found, Keith Stewart, a skipper aboard the Jacobite cruise vessel that frequents the loch, has revealed for the first time the existence of a deep crevice situated at the very bottom of its murky depths. A deep crevice? In the, in the bottom. In the bottom. Excellent. No jokes to be had there. That's right. The find has also proven encouraging for Nessie hunters who believe that this unexplored underwater expanse could serve as an effective refuge for a large creature living in the lock. Hang on a second. I can see its head poking out. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, anyway... They, anyway, anyway, they think there's a huge crevice at the bottom of the lock and Nessie's living in it. Perfect. I shall give you points. I have a story that says, what do we know about Planet Nine? Mounting evidence shows another world in our solar system. Astronomers and scientists are very excited about the news of a possible extra planet in our solar system. I can't keep up. When I was a kid, there was nine. Then a few years ago, there was eight. Apparently, there's nine again now. Is there nine? I can't keep What's up. What's Pluto again? Is that still that, just a, a rock? That's a dwarf planet. That's eight and a half, I believe, is oh. where we are. Tentatively named Planet Nine. Planet Nine's a great name for a nightclub or a restaurant, by the way, if people wish to use that. <laughs> it was discovered by researchers at the California Institute of Technology. Early signs show that the mysterious planet could be ten times more massive than the Earth. There have only been two true planets discovered since ancient times, and this would be the third. It's a pretty substantial chunk of our solar system that's still out there to be found, which is pretty exciting, said Professor Michael E. Brown. The theory of another planet came after the scientists looked at six smaller objects in the outer solar system, beyond Neptune. As these objects travel around the sun, they're all orbital in the same elliptical direction, in a way that shouldn't happen. I always wondered this. If you look at the last three or four planets on the edge of our solar system, they don't circle the sun in a round circular shape like the Earth does. They've got elliptical orbits. Mm -hmm. So they travel away from the sun and then they travel back closer to the sun again. And they think that this planet's so large, it's having an effect 
And this is why there's elliptical orbits on some of the furthest planets in our solar system. So there couldn't be another planet. We realized that the only way we could get them to swing in the same direction is if there is a massive planet, also very distant in our solar system, keeping them in place while they all go around the sun. Unlike the orbit of the other known planets, the orbit of Planet Nine would be exceptionally wide. So while the Earth takes just one year to orbit the Sun, and Jupiter takes 12, the orbit of Planet Nine is estimated to be 20,000 years, which is roughly the same time it takes to get through to Direct TV's helpline. The team behind... I made that up. I've no evidence to back that up. The team behind the discovery believe that there is a chance that telescopes here on Earth could be strong enough to spot the mysterious extra planet. I'm hoping that as we announce this, people will start a worldwide search to find the ninth planet, said Professor Brown. Isn't Professor Brown part of the Clue board game? Isn't there Professor Brown? Don't remember. Professor Plums, possibly. I don't know. Plums, Brown, who knows? Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? There is a bizarre two-legged fish whose bite is as fast as a speedy bullet found in New Zealand. If it's a fish and it's got two legs, can it still be called a fish? Because I thought once a fish with two legs is then amphibious, isn't it? Or am I confused? Do continue. Sorry, I'll have a think about it. I don't know. Two New Zealand snorkelers were mystified when coming across a bizarre, all-black, two-legged fish on a white seafloor in a bay near Auckland. It's a mermaid, but the other way round. It's true. What, what, if you see a mermaid, why does it have to have a human top and a fishy bottom? Why can't it have a human's bottom and a fishy top? Why does it have to be that way round? Hmm. Your mind goes weird. I'm just saying. Why shouldn't it have a fishy head but two legs? This is a mermaid. But it's the other way around. Just, you know, it's just where we are. <laughs> Everyone's oh. thinking about it, though, aren't they? Not really. Okay. James Boving, 20, and his girlfriend, Claudia Howes, 19, scooped up the specimen and put it into the boat's live well, where it started slowly walking around. It had these little legs. I'd never seen anything like it, Bovnik told Fairfax Media. It was pretty chilled out. It's not the biggest fish I've ever caught, but it was certainly the strangest. They eventually sent the fish to the Museum of New Zealand, Te Papa Tangaroa, in Wellington, New Zealand. You made the last bit up, but you're going to get points. <laughs> where collection manager Andrew Stewart examined it and put photos of it on Facebook, where it started gaining worldwide attention. He displayed it with a piece of lemon <laughs> and some French fries. <laughs> <laughs> in an email to Grind TV, Stewart identified the specimen as a striped anglerfish, also popularly known as a striped frogfish. Aren't they, like, at the bottom of the ocean? I have no idea. Anglerfish? Never... They're the things that have the little dangly thing in front of them. Oh, and it glows. Mm-hmm. And then the other in, the other insects, because there's lots of underwater insects, of course, swim up to the little light. The little light in uh, front of his head. And I'm it... making the motion. Can you tell? Yes, you've got, like, a finger going around like a worm. That's what a worm <laughs> does, madam. The international sign of caterpillar or worm with your finger is where we are. <laughs> this is what a worm does. Is this making good radio? Yes. Okay, I'm checking. What struck Stewart as very unusual was the fact that striped frogfish was completely black. They are often brightly colored. This is the first time I've seen one jet black with no body markings at all. 
This particular species is strongly striped, and those stripes extend inside the mouth. So even when it's sneaking up on, and its mouth is open, its prey just doesn't get an inkling of what's about to happen. So if it's all black and it's a very deep in the ocean, you're just swimming along minding your own business, and you swim into its mouth. Yeah. Empire Strikes Back, that happened with a worm. A giant worm. The Millennium oh, in Falcon. The sand. That's right. Yes. You're yeah. looking at me as if you've never seen the film. Oh, yeah, I did. Okay, uh, the, all right. The film Dune had that as well. Purple worm, purple worm. Bit of Prince there. We're in Minnesota. Why not? I'm happy. <laughs> oh, uh, that's because of the incredible speed at which it can catch prey. Frogfishes have the fastest bite of any vertebrate. Their mouths expand at the speed approaching a twenty-two rifle bullet, and that's in a medium 800 times denser than air. So a frogfish could catch a bullet between its teeth. Yeah. I mean, how many accidents could you yes. have before you actually get that act up and running? I'm on my 33rd frog. Can you bring the 34th one in? They're going to get it sooner or later. They're watching. They'll pick it up. Uh, the lure on its dorsal fin. I wanted to get to this part for you, Heather. The lure on its dorsal fin is what you were talking about. Is used to attract smaller fish, which won't know what hit them when the frogfish decides to strike. It opens its mouth, swallows its prey, and closes its mouth again all in six milliseconds. Nice. Like Kermit the Frog on speed. It's remarkable. I've never yeah. seen such a thing. I have one last story in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology. It says, watch diamond-shaped UFO fading in and out of a blue sky in eerie footage shot from a kitchen window. The object, the shape of which can just about be made out when it hovers into view, was caught on camera by a person filming from his kitchen window. The footage, which was posted on YouTube by a UFO and alien sighting video channel, appears to show a diamond-shaped craft in a locked position as the clouds pass it by. The film was taken by a stunned dad in Memphis, who initially saw it out of the corner of his eye when he was making his child's breakfast. So he was waking in Memphis. <laughs> he went to get his camera phone and began recording the bizarre sight. An unnamed man doing a voiceover on the footage said, this does not look like any type of American aircraft or foreign aircraft I have ever seen. Ah, but what about the ones you haven't seen? We move into the round that is the strange and the bizarre. It's the stories from around the week that are too strange, <laughs> too bizarre. Did someone just let a frog fish in? I'm yes. sure I heard a frog fish in the background. How's that Mountain Dew you're drinking? carbonated drinks during the show Heather <laughs> why that would be ridiculous it says have you got a story there go on read this out strange and bizarre I don't even know where I am anymore we're, uh, all, we're all on four points there's parity with everybody mysterious medical condition causes objects to stick to this man's head <laughs> look I've managed to get an axe to stick to your head <laughs> An Illinois man has mysterious medical condition that causes items to stick to his head, just like a suction cup. That's going to be embarrassing when you're walking around Walmart. You could go out with $1,000 of groceries and get arrested by the police. Maybe. Jamie Keaton, who shows off his bizarre abilities under his stage name, Canhead, is making a living with his rare ability. I went to a doctor one day and he said, how do you do that? And I said, you tell me. Nobody told him. 
I tried he shop- doesn't know. He doesn't know how it sticks Mm-mm. to his head. I tried shoplifting once because I got Dracula and his two brothers and I stood on their shoulders and we went around the grocery store stealing things and I got caught and arrested for shoplifting on three counts. Back of the net. <laughs> <laughs> Continue. Terrible. Keaton says doctors aren't sure why items stick to his skin, but believe it has to do with his abnormally high 100 degree body temperature. He's sticky. He's just hot and sticky. Yeah, everything sticks. I saw a picture. He had stuff stuck all over his head. Well, like frying pans and things. Well, uh, there are two other people that have this sort of condition, and they both actually live in India. He's the only one in the U.S. Keaton first learned that item stuck to his head after shaving it for the first time 23 years ago. So he shaved. Let's shave your head. See if stuff sticks to it. I'm not shaving my head. Why not? I don't want stuff sticking to me. That would be embarrassing. <laughs> but it would be good Friday night entertainment. It would. It would. They, I could be in a bar and there could be some woman's chest and my head could be stuck in it. And people would be saying, look at that man over there with his head in that woman's chest. And I'd be saying, I can't help it. It's just going. It's like a magnet. Masses attract. It's like Wright said Fred had walked into the room. It wasn't my fault, sir. And then I get taken away by the police. I'm not having that <laughs> carry on. I don't want that. That would be ridiculous. Are you done? I'm finished, yeah. All right. <laughs> I just went to the worst possible scenario. Uh-huh. Keaton has said, I was at a ball game. I was trying to cool my head down because it was a hot day. And, and all the baseball s- stuck to my head. And they Well, all of a sudden, they hit a home run. I went up to grab it. I missed it. <laughs> and then said, where's my drink? Everybody was laughing, and the drink was actually stuck to the back of my head while it was pouring down my back. <laughs> Now all sorts of items <laughs> stick to his skin, including cans, water bottles, jars of peanuts, and cell phones. Where did he get a jar of peanuts, and why did he stick it on his head? I don't Where know. Where was he living? Uh, I don't know. Illinois? Illinois. Yes, yes. It's everything he's found in his cupboards, isn't it? <laughs> it's oh. just a case of... I. Got a spoon stuck to my head, a cheese grater, a saucepan, a packet of ramen noodles and some peanuts. He's gone through his kitchen cupboards. (laughs) A lot of people try to tell me it's all magnets, Keaton said. I can stick aluminum, glass and plastic to myself to prove it's not magnetism. The performer says he can even release items from his head one at a time. Mm. So this is like an X-Man, yeah? Or X-Men, yeah? X-Men, I see where you are. Keaton says he was initially afraid to show other people his unique abilities because he didn't want to be thought of as a freak. Let me see the way my fist sticks to your head. (laughs) But today he no longer cares and even rents out his head. (laughs) I actually promote people's companies all the time. Different companies just wear their names on my cans or on a shirt. But wait a minute. You wouldn't want a shirt stuck to your head, would you? It depends whose shirt it was. That's true. This is where there we are. There you go. Is there pictures of this man? Can he there, be found? There is pictures. Look let's, for the can head. Let's post this on our Facebook site. More questions than answers. I have a story that says this is the face of Virgin Mary inside a dog's stomach. What? A dog owner was left open-mouthed when he saw the ghostly face of the Virgin Mary on the X-ray image of her pet pooch. Alicia Bench rushed Luna, her Staffordshire Bull Terrier, to the vets when she started violently vomiting and refusing to drink. I bet the dog was shocked when he sees his owner doing that. Doctors took an x-ray and discovered that the dog had swallowed a rubber piece of a chew toy and had become lodged in his stomach. I once owned a chicken that swallowed a rubber band. It laid the same egg three times. 
<laughs> Doctors took an X-ray. After emergency surgery, Alicia took another look at the X-ray image and saw the face of the Virgin Mary upon it, watching over the puppy. The 22-year-old explained, when I've shown people the picture, they've told me it looks just like the Virgin Mary. It was very weird seeing a face in the scan, but equally it's comforting to think that someone could have been watching over Luna in her time of need. I'm so pleased we have a copy. It's a real mystery how and why the ghostly figure is in the middle of the x-ray. If it was the Virgin Mary looking out for Luna, she did a fabulous job because the pooch is now back to her normal life. Mark Leddy, clinic director, said we were delighted that Luna came through the surgery. So we are well pleased to see her back to her normal, happy self. We're really pleased that the uh, possibility of pets eating inedible objects is being highlighted, as this can frequently cause life-threatening injuries. We've never seen a face appear in an x-ray before, but we'll certainly be keeping an eye out in the future. I'm sure people are just doing this to sell on eBay. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Do you remember Cheezus? The image of Jesus. Jesus. I know. My own personal. Jesus. It was on a, some sort of cheese, it wasn't it? Uh, and they, something like that. Yeah, and then Chip, you get, toast. They'd sell it on eBay for thousands of dollars. And then you get the Virgin Mary appearing in a piece of toast, right? Yes. Or on a ceiling tile. And these people sell them for vast sums of money. And it just seems to me that something like that is happening here. Did you not get one of those as a gift once? What, the Virgin Mary? toast yes you can buy i have in a kitchen cupboard at home stuck to a man's head from illinois i do have uh, a press that you can push into a piece of bread and then you can toast it and it then looks like the virgin mary (laughs) (laughs) just to finish this story it says alicia has now set up a gofundme page for people to donate towards her 1700 pound operation which wasn't covered by the insurance Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre? There is a woman from Montana who is suing after finding a human face in a car wash. What, a real one? Yes. Just the face? Yes. Oh, that's a bit grim. We're bringing it down, yes. Really strange, though. This is in Billings. A Livingston woman has filed a complaint seeking damages for the alleged emotional trauma she suffered from finding part of a man's face in a car wash after he was struck and killed by a semi-trailer. Gross. The Billings Gazette reports Kimberly Craig's suit filed in November against trucking company CRST, Expedited Incorporated, has been moved to federal court in Butte. In 2013, David Welk was driving for the company when he hit and killed 81-year-old pedestrian L.G. Bedford. L.G.? Algie. Algie. Algie Bedford. Mm. Welk, who was convicted of the crime, left the scene. Investigators reported Bedford's body was run over by several subsequent vehicles. Oh, no. (laughs) Craig claims the man's face ended up on her vehicle after she discovered it at a car wash. How did that happen? That would be terrible, wouldn't it, if it was after the car wash, because you'd have to go through again. Can you imagine if it landed kind of, you know... On the windscreen, and it's looking at you. Look, it's winking at me. I that don't understand terrible. how that. Ha- how does uh, that happen? How does it get on your car at a car wash? Someone threw it. I don't know. I don't know how it ends up. How does someone's face ever end up on anything? Just bizarre. <laughs> just- <laughs> 
The lawyers for CRST have said the company is not responsible for any of those damages. I'd like to see the paperwork that says we're not liable for a human face landing on a car during one of our car washes. I want to see that paperwork. That's like some bad B horror movie, isn't it? There is a song called Death Skin Mask. I think it's by Slayer, if my memory serves me right. Was that supposed to be about the chainsaw massacre? Oh, the guy that kept all the faces in his fridge and then walked around with them. But I don't remember him visiting a car wash, strangely enough. That's going to be a new movie, isn't it? Very strange and very bizarre. We now move into our final round of the evening that is called Not For Your Mother. If your mother's in the room and she's of a delicate disposition, if you have young minors running around, now would be a good time to shuffle them off to bed with some milk and a cookie. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? Well, it was a super primal sexual experience. Really? Mm -hmm. Going to the cinema? Going to Dairy Queen? What? (laughs) I'll have the Whopper. They don't serve those at Dairy Queen. I'll have the Black Whopper. (laughs) They don't serve those at Dairy Queen either. Okay. I'll have a double Black Whopper. You're way off base. Group of women make extraordinary claim that they have hybrid alien children who conveniently live on a giant spaceship. Okay. Are you following me? I am, yes. You're suggesting that aliens have come down to Earth. There's been some sort of shenanigans. Shenanigans. And their offspring are now on some sort of spaceship. Yeah. Okay, that would explain Wisconsin. Next. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Scott. A group of women in the U.S. claim to have children fathered by aliens and describe their sexual encounters with extraterrestrials as the best they've ever had. I'm going to stick a cucumber through some woman's window and shout out, look out, the aliens are coming. (laughs) Bridget Nielsen from Sedona Uh, Bridget Nielsen? Yes, from Sedona, Arizona and Alunaverse from Los Angeles, California I know Alunaverse It's got something to do with the moon, isn't it? Twinkle, twinkle, little star Alunaverse, where Mm -hmm. are? I I have no idea where we're going with that I think Mozart wrote that, to be honest No No, I tell you, Mozart wrote Twinkle, twinkle, little star when he was like like three, right? Yes, six or seven, I believe. Something along those lines. Let's take a vote. I say three. You're making it. Yeah, but let's go with what's actually right (laughs) rather than taking. Let's go with the facts over you just saying let's have a vote. Oh, the pair claim that between them, they have 13 children with aliens and that the conception happened either through artificial insemination or real sexual encounters. So they don't know. Green men and hairy beasties. Speaking about their own conception, mother of three, alien children verse 23, a video game designer added, I was in a classroom setting with other humans. All of a sudden I'm sat next to this green reptilian creature and immediately I'm so sexually turned on (laughs) just by looking at this being. There we go. Do you believe it? He's got the looks, but he's green. And he's kind of scaly. That seems very odd combination if it you're does. going to include the word good looking, right? Well, so it's... far I'm getting across between the Incredible Hulk and a lizard. Well, she was very surprised, and all of a sudden they started making love in this classroom with ho other... ho ho yeah. green giant. Oh no! And everyone turned their attention to us. It sounds crazy, and people have asked me if I'm off my meds. But... <laughs> <laughs> so, hang on a second. But this is really happening. She's actually on meds. 
Because if people say she must be off her meds, wouldn't that suggest <laughs> that she's actually on them in the first place? I don't. I yes, I yes, believe okay, that, but I don't know truth. that for sure. I can't right. quote it. She said everything happened in a dream state. But what these women actually want to do is they want to create a hybrid baby community, which has mothers aged nineteen to some in their sixties. And they claim to have at least more than 10 children with these aliens. However, they never meet their children on Earth. And Nielsen said there is a sadness because we can't be with them. They actually want to make a community where the children feel safe to come down to Earth to visit them. That's their goal. I have a problem with this in the fact that reptiles and lizards are cold-blooded. And yes. we're warm-blooded and mammals and never the twain shall meet. No amount of fornication is going to produce lizard baby under any circumstances. How do you know it's a lizard? It just looks like a lizard. Okay. looks like a lizard. <laughs> Tastes like chicken. Tastes like chicken. Oh, You've where eaten a lizard. Are you guys going with this? I never said I'd eaten a lizard. <laughs> I Kim was said she's eaten a lizard, lizard alien baby. Kim's eaten lizard, apparently. That's good eating right there, boy. Well, I've never had frog's legs, but people say they taste like chicken. That is true. You've eaten? Yes. Yes, not not ideal. I have too. Yeah, there you go. Apparently you're the only person who hasn't. But I like oysters. Yes, and that's like licking phlegm off of a turtle. (laughs) And little red canned octopus. Oh, that's Greg's specialty. Yeah, we did have a Super Bowl dinner once where Greg opened up a can of octopus and when it says Albania (laughs) on the tin and it's canned octopus, that was a bad day for me. It was really good, though. (laughs) (laughs) You've done some research, haven't you? What are you going to tell us about Mozart and Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star? It was a classic when he was young. It was done when he was young? That doesn't give an age. It was classic then. It was. was Oh. Oh, so he didn't write it. No, he's he, often given credit. He's often given... So I was right. He never wrote it when he was three. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't write he didn't it at all. Stop hitting me. <laughs> I'll give myself some points. I'll give you some too. <laughs> <laughs> she hit you with your on your writing arm. You won't be able to write any more points. <laughs> no, I, I can do enough with my left just to give you no points. But trust me. I'm ambidextrous. I can write nothing with both hands, apparently. <laughs> a man regrets getting a messy tattoo of an elephant around his penis after too many beers with his mates. Uh, a, a man got so drunk that he let his friends tattoo an elephant's head around his penis. And he what, let his friends do it? Yes. On what they've dubbed Tattoo Tuesday. Builder Kieran and his pal Snowy have weekly tattoo sessions. And one night they took it a step too far when they let his mate literally play noughts and crosses on his penis what's a knot and cross that's tic-tac-hoe oh <laughs> this is just part of the problem <laughs> which he took to channel 4's tattoo fixers where he revealed that it all went wrong with the elephant tattoo that he calls a mess one day after work we had a few beers a few too many and the tattoo gun comes out and that is when tattoo tuesday was born kieran said that sounds legit It's a good idea, isn't it, to have a few beers, get drunk, and then get the tattoo gun out. We do have a tattoo gun. (coughs) That would be terrible. We'd wake up with Made in England written on your bottom or some such thing. (laughs) The only training we've got is what we've done on one another. The elephant with its trunk where you would think it would be has left Kieran mortified and blames the alcohol. He said, I think we'd had one too many cans when we did this because it's just a mess. It looks like it's been drawn on with a biro. And can I just say that it looks like a very cold baby elephant? 
He's not going to grab a bum with it and stuff it into his mouth, is what I'm saying. It's been drawn with a what? A biro? A ballpoint pen. Oh. What do you call those? A bick, yes. It looks like it's been drawn. It's not a good tattoo of an elephant. It looks like it's just been done with a bick pen. It's really, it's just a simple line drawing, but it looks like a 12-year-old's drawn it. Yes, I've just never heard a biro before. A biro. I think it was the gentleman that may have invented it. Bick, biro. They're all French, aren't they? (laughs) Who knows where this is going? <laughs> An embarrassment, Kieran sought help from the tattoo fixers who actually refused to work on this piece of art. Tattoo artists gave an outright no and said they wouldn't touch his trunk and said that they don't do willies. They Sounds could have like, sent him to get a circumcision or something to change it. <laughs> just, you're just going to lose a bit off the trunk, aren't you, is what I'm saying. I've had ex-girlfriends that don't do willies. They were able to amend the offending tattoo and replace it with a skull. Apparently, they found this skull in a bucket somewhere in Southern America. (sighs) He said there will be no more Tattoo Tuesdays. They're now going to embrace Piercing Fridays, apparently. (laughs) Just so you know, I happened to run across that story as well. Okay. I've seen the drawing. Yes. And And you spent an hour looking at it. Well, in my analysis, it looks like a glove mitt. It looks like a glove mitt. Yes, it What's doesn't a, look like an elephant at all. It's not a good drawing. It's not a, like a detailed rendering of a, of a you know. A, a How sort. many minutes did you study it? Well, <laughs> I studied it enough to know he was shaved very well. And But okay. the, tus- the tusks were a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there thinking in Thailand, is it good luck to have the elephant's trunk up or down? I have no idea. It's up. It's up, is it? <laughs> if our listeners wish to see the picture, I'm not putting that online. That's ridiculous. We'll get taken off. That's terrible. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of tattooed elephants' penises? Doctors have warned against using herbal tampons to detox the womb. Oh, man. <laughs> God, you could make a brew with that, couldn't you? Make a nice cup of tea. Oh, wouldn't you? Gross. If you put hot water on it, wouldn't you just go, and all the water would disappear? Is that what? not? If you, you put a, if you put a tampon into a cup of tea, well, your tea would disappear, wouldn't it? It would just all disappear. You are thinking into this way too much. Okay, I'm just tampon tea bags. (laughs) Doctors and health experts have strongly warned against using a womb detox product that has recently caught attention online. Embrace Pangea, a herbal and holistic product online company based in the United States, has been selling small bags of herbs designed to be inserted into the vagina to cleanse the womb and return it to a balanced state. You wouldn't be sharing a tea bag, would you? No. You wouldn't want to put the bags on your eyes either. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Or floss your teeth with them. (sighs) The bags contain a mix of perfumed herbs such as Mothersworth, Angelica, Borneol. Chili. Rosoma. Cumin. This last one I've never heard of. Paprika. Sinidium. I don't know if the C is supposed to be silent or not. No idea. That's a sexual disease. You're making words up. No, these don't exist. Uh, one pearl costs fifteen dollars and and is intended for once a day use. Alternatively, the company offers a monthly womb maintenance package for seventy five to one hundred and eighty dollars. And Pedro will come and look into it for you. <laughs> they've just got a. Uh, they've hired up a shop in a strip mall, haven't they? They've put a spray paint can outside and done a sign, and it all looks very legit to me. Doesn't it look after itself? I know it catches the fluff, but wouldn't it look after itself? Everything kind of regulates itself, doesn't it? It sorts itself out. You don't need to do stuff to it, do you? You don't need to feng shui your room. 
room, room with a view. You don't have to feng shui your womb, do you? You're looking at me as if I'm mad. I don't even have a JJ. <laughs> you can bedazzle it. You can put herbal remedies in it. I've seen one dressed up to look like a hamburger where someone's used sesame seeds and lettuce. Okay. It's available <laughs> if people want to see it. Dr. Jen Gunter, a gynecologist from the United States, wrote a blog post strongly condemning the products. She says your uterus isn't tired or depressed or dirty, and your vagina has not misplaced its chakra. That's what I just said. And yes. I'm not even a gynecologist. I don't even like to keep my I'm hand not in. Shov- oh, what? You're what? You're not shoving a what? I wasn't shoving only a crystal up there. No. I don't want to put a crystal. Up there. No. When you said that, I'm imagining the scene in Superman where he gets given that giant crystal and he makes an ice palace. I'm imagining a little crystal now because you're looking at me. <laughs> it's not a big one. These herbs could be damaging to your lactobacilli, the good bacteria. I went there on holiday. I think it's in southern Wales. Sicily. Lactobacilli. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a week there once. Very sunny. Beach was fabulous. Or be direct irritating to the vagina mucosa, the lining, and both of these outcomes will increase your risk of infection. Other doctors have said using the products could lead to irritation, bacterial infections, and even potentially fatal toxic shock syndrome. Oh, that's not good. They Mm -hmm. also urged women who experience heavy bleeding, odor, discomfort, or pain to visit their doctor. Tamika Atkinson, the owner of Embrace Pangea, told The Independent, our product is not a drug by any means, and we make no claims of curing, diagnosing, or treating disease. So it has no benefits at all, but we're going to charge you $15 a pop. Or 75 to 180 for a month. Wow. To put an herbal bag up into your vajayjay. El, wow. Grey, El, El Grey tea bags are only like 40 cents each. I'm, I'm just not so- stuffing one of them up there either. <laughs> Milk, two sugars. Heather, what have you got for me tonight to finish off the round of Not For Your Mother? I have a desperate woman. You have a desperate woman? Mm-hmm. She called the fire department after she lost the keys to her chastity belt. for what purpose did she call the fire department how many did she ask for (laughs) i don't know just send the first the first 10 that arrive it's an emergency an italian woman placed an embarrassing call to her local fire department after losing the key to her iron chastity belt surely a locksmith's the way to go (laughs) the woman whose identity has not been released according to Italian law, contacted the Padua fire station last... Padua. Padua, Padua, well, let's have whatever. Pa- Padua, go on, Padua. <laughs> it's lucky that we're leaving Minnesota. <laughs> um, close to Wisconsin. I'm finished now, I'm done. <laughs> uh, placed a call to the fire station last Wednesday saying she needed help opening a padlock, which they were more than happy to do. Firefighters initially thought she was locked out of her home, asking where she lived. To their surprise, the woman then pulled up her jumper to reveal the chastity belt, explaining she'd misplaced the critical key. According to the Telegraph, the firefighters managed to break the iron lock before opening an investigation into whether <laughs> <laughs> the woman had been... They're, they're looking into it, yeah. <laughs> forced to, they were actually looking into whether she'd been forced to wear the belt by someone else as an act of domestic violence. Oh. They thought it was actually forced on her. The woman actually explained she had voluntarily chosen to don the belt in order to prevent herself from entering... Into a sexual relationship. 
Wow, she can't have any self-control, that woman, can she? No, get it off, get it off, get it off. And where's her name and where does she live? I've got a can of WD-40, I'll be right round. <laughs> good times. Well, all good things come to an end, so let us look at tonight's scores in last place with a K2 meter with a dead battery. It's Greg on one point who said that he doesn't consult his stalk very often. In second place, there is a tie between myself and Heather. We are on a resplendently large six points but in first place with the giant score of seven kim is tonight's winner and Yay. she will get the thirty-three thousand dollar ir camera if i can prize it out of jacqueline's paws do not fear listener remember we are back with our whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time and i would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of ghost trains frogs and things sticking to people's heads Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site, More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee. You can also join my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. And remember, we have an archive. If you visit soundcloud.com, all of our shows are now there over the last three years. And we have a round coming up now called Not For Your Mother. It's the stories from around the world that we can't read out live on air for fear of getting a fine or being removed but they are there for you on our soundcloud site my gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to lorna hunter heather morris jaton drainer kim and greg gore and all at the international paranormal society at intparanormal.net and all of the show's sponsors including the lakes area paranormal interest group and mufon of minnesota it just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember, be interested and interesting. Good night. <laughs>